Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. It was the final league of, well, final week, so apologies, of league uh, action this weekend. And with that, a sad close, but at least we have a World Cup to look forward to on the horizon. But before we take a look back at an exciting final weekend and also a crazy managerial merry-go-round that is certainly starting to spin and of course that Les Bleus squad ahead of Russia 2018. Here's the latest headlines. The final league uh, weekend had every single game played at once so we'll mix it a little bit starting with Lyon who qualified for Champions League football after a dramatic 3-2 victory against Nice. A Memphis Depay hat-trick ruled out Alisson players double to seal Legon's passage to automatic Champions League qualification thanks to Marseille's defeat in the Europa League final. Also securing qualification and they practically done it already but they confirmed it with a 3-0 victory over Trois. It is Monaco who got a double from Ronnie Lopez, one of the stars of the season. That result also sent the home side down to Ligue 2 with Trois finishing four points from safety with Toulouse finishing slightly above them, who managed to get a 2-1 victory they needed against Gangle with Maxalan Gradel and Yaya Sonogo scoring their goals. But it wasn't quite enough because Cole managed a 0-0 draw against Paris Saint-Germain another time. The second year in a row, Cole needed points against PSG and they claimed something from that game, meaning Toulouse will be in that playoff against the Ligue 2 side, which is still to be definitely confirmed after a crazy playoff that has gone topsy-turvy all week. It was supposed to be played on Saturday between Ajaxio and uh, Le Havre. It was postponed because of issues with attacking the bus. The, the game actually went underway on Sunday, ended in a two-all draw after extra time where a penalty gave Le Havre a lead of controversial one at that um, just before um, about five minutes to go. It sparked Great, well, great and shocking scenes, really, with, with Mateta getting sent off for his celebration and, and another um, Leal player also getting a red card, as well as an Ajaxio one, giving them nine men each. There was interruptions, there was pitch invasions, but Ajaxio eventually won in uh, in penalties after scoring in the very, very last minute with an absolute thunderbolt. But that decision is still with the authorities because that may be reversed ahead of those games starting on Wednesday. Back to the games in Liga and qualifying for Europe also was confirmed for Bordeaux, who will be in the Europa League along with Rennes and Marseille next season with a 4-0 victory over Mets, their final game in Liga for the foreseeable future. Talking of Marseille, they got the result they needed at that point, at least anyway, and were for, for a time with Leon behind in those Champions League places, but unfortunately miss out for the second time in four days. Their 2-1 win against Amiens, not quite enough for them to seal the place in Europeans' premier competition. Elsewhere, Saint-Etienne recorded a fantastic 5-0 win, including a hat-trick for Hamouma in an excellent game that might be the final one for Jean-Louis Gasset with potential new owners at Leverde maybe looking towards a new coach themselves. In other results, uh, Dijon won 2-1 to end their home stint with terrific form and ending as the fifth top scorers in Liga behind the top four, which is not bad going at all. Not Signed off the Claudio Ranieri era with a 1-0 win against Strasbourg. And Ren drew one all with Montpellier as they had already confirmed their Europa League place. 
And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week, where else? Dan League uh, and its final match day that brought out many surprises. And we're going to start near the top of the table and especially that game in Lyon, Rich, because it was a terrific encounter. If you managed, anyone managed to catch any of the action on Saturday evening, um, it was really the the perfect game for them to pick and an excellent one at that. Um, they made it hard on themselves at times and Nice give them a right game with it, especially with a number of their staff looking to move on. Favre linked to Dortmund. There's Alisson Player and Balotelli and, and Seri might all be heading for the door this summer, but they put up a fight. But at the same time, Leon just about had enough and especially, especially Rich Memphis Depay. Yeah, I mean he's been he has been the real star. Um I think I mentioned when we when we talked about this race um quite a few weeks ago that I felt that it was coming down to uh sort of Depay versus Payet, um with with sort of Fekir and Tovan just returning from injuries. Um and it, it, it's proved that it's proved to be the case, I think, that it has been Depay versus Payet and and Depay has won out because uh, you know he you know as, as scintillating as form as as Payet has been and, and and you know rightfully he has been praised for that form. Depay has has, has been every bit as, as successful over the last month or so. Um, it really is his form that's that's, that's dragged Leon. Um, I mean, at one point I thought that they'd perhaps blown it um, for the for the top three spot, but they they've dragged themselves back, and that's due to. Um, Primarily due to Depay and the, the sort of terrific goal scoring form that he's been in, um, it was a match. I mean, I thought with with the early goal to Nice, I I thought, is this going to be is this going to be how Leon are going to blow it? They're going to blow it at the last after fighting so hard to get back into it, after themselves obviously blowing it themselves with that 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 pretty poor run towards the start of the year. But I just thought with everything that that Nice was riding on with Nice, with obviously Favre going, with Player going, with Balotelli seemingly going with Seri seemingly going, and you know a couple of other players rumored to be off as well. Was this sort of the last hurrah for for Nice and 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 sort of securing their Europa League spot, and whilst also trumping uh, Leon's hopes for for Champions League qualification? But it's the great credit to Leon. Um, Leon fans won't like me saying this, but it's the great credit to to Genesio that again that he you know he's he's kept with this side. I think that the Depay and and Traore strike partnership in, in, in that 4-4-2 has worked really well. Um, we've certainly seen, without shadow of a doubt, the best from Depay. I think we're starting to see a much more consistent bird from Traore as well. Uh, Fekir just behind them, and then the the sort of fantastic young trio that we've, we've sort of lauded. It's felt like all season now with Toussaint, Awa, and, uh, and Dombele. It's a terrific midfield and forward line. Um so it's 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 absolutely to Genesio's credit. He's got a lot of stick uh, for quite some time now, and even after the whistle, he got a plenty of stick. Um, you know, banners going up in the stadium of, you know, I think there were even there were even some anti Olas um, banners as well. Which you know, it's I don't know what more could have been asked for from this Leon side. I think third place is a is a great result compared to the you know what, what what's above them. Um, I think they just have to accept that, you know, a bit more investment is going to be needed in the squad to take it to that next level. But I think Genesio has done a, by and large, he's he's not faultless, don't get me wrong, but by and large, he's done a, a very successful job. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty tense game. I think when player got that 89th minute second goal to make it 3-2, 
I think there were a lot of Leon fans who thought, oh God, we've seen things like this before. Um, you, you hark back to, I think it was a game against Bordeaux earlier in the season where there was two very, very late Bordeaux goals to, to salvage a point for them. Um, so it was a very nervy finish, but they held on. Um, I think third place is probably a fair reflection of, of, of where their performances have been this season. It guarantees them Champions League football next season. It guarantees them group stage Champions League football next season as well. Um, and that will do wonders, I think, going into their summer for their for their recruitment and whether or, or not a certain Nabil Fekir is going to depart or not. I think the words from Olas this evening seemed a bit more defiant on Fekir staying than going with Champions League football secured. So it's it's a it's a very, very important result for the club, um, both in terms of who they can bring in, but perhaps more importantly, who they can also then keep as well. So um, I think it's been, by and large, a good season for Lyon. Um, and I think, yeah, as I say, I think third place is a pretty fair reflection of, of where they are right now. Absolutely. And they were really, really good, I thought, the weekend to, to come back. In it. And Depay was uh, instrumental in that. And I, I want to give Genesio some credit because I've given him some stick sometimes this season. But I, I thought, even though we obviously didn't start him, but I, I think Mariano Diaz can be a sort of very streaky kind of player, especially because he can be so selfish. But um, to bring him on and bring off Ndombele was, was a a moment that really transformed the game for them. It's a risky one, given how good um, the latter of those two has been this season. And to disrupt that midfield as well, to take off someone that um, influential at times, it was a risky move, but it certainly paid off. And it showed that Genesio uh, maybe has a little bit more metal than uh, some Leon fans are willing to give him at the moment. But just, just the interesting story, as well as Depay on this one, is obviously the other star man for Leon this season, and that's Nabil Fakir, who is being linked. Uh, with a move away of, from the club, possibly to Liverpool, is the the strongest rumours we've heard, and I'm sure a number of Liverpool fans will want to get a take on the mercurial Frenchman. So um, here's your opportunity to do that. He's maybe had a slower second half of the season, um, Jess, but if he was to go to Liverpool, um, he could, in theory, out of anyone I can think of in European football, be a potential ideal uh, Philippe Coutinho replacement. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's. Um... There's no doubt he's got the ability and um, sort of with his attacking intent and, you know, for example, with uh, as good as the Pies hat trick was, um, the first and third goals were, the third goal was made by a brilliant Traore pass. The first one was made by um, a, a really clever little run by by um, Fekir sort of turning his defender, kind of going around the corner and then squaring it. So um, with... Yeah, with with his attacking ability, his speed, obviously the the fact that he's left-footed, which um, you know, I think provides just a, a little bit extra for for defenders to to think about. He could certainly fit into the into the Liverpool team. He's um you know he's he's strong. Um, he's got that sort of little bit of not nastiness at all, but he you know he won't be easily pushed around or anything. So I think he could pit fit really well into the Premier League I think he's as good as he is and I think he's improving and um, probably this year over the course of a full season despite again a couple of injuries disrupting things it's probably been his most consistent season um, overall I still think maybe he needs a little bit more consistency kind of a bit like Leon Leon as a whole this season he kind of has really great periods and then periods where he goes a little bit missing but certainly all of the raw ingredients are there he's 
um, you know, we talked about how he's thrived with um, under the captaincy, having been given the captaincy. Um, and yes, I think he's improving all the time. Um, you know, whereas it used to be uh, just sort of youthful exuberance. And I mean, whenever I think of him, I still always think about his hat trick against, I think it might have been, it was either Caen or Trois just before he got that first really bad ligament injury. It's one of the best hat tricks I've ever seen. And, and he's always had the skills, but um, now he's added a little bit more now, so experience. I think if he decides to go and um, his quotes after the match can be sort of construed either way, where he's talking in the past tense, obviously everything he's done with Lyon up till now has been in the past, but it did feel a little bit like he was kind of starting to suggest he, he wants to make a move. And, you know, even if Olas is saying, well, now he can stay because he's got Champions League um, football, you do wonder if it's a little bit of kidology and trying to add a million or two onto, onto the price. Um, if he decides to move, then I definitely think he's, he's ready. And um, with Liverpool's um, you know, very, very attacking game and, and sort of, especially counter-attacking, I think he could fit in really well there. Yeah, you've sent me back there, Jess, to that, that it was a hat-trick against Cole. It was a really terrific hat-trick. I remember the, the sort of close ball control and the excitement that we all had before that knee injury, and it's delightful to see him back, and he, he would wear that uh, Liverpool shirt very well. Um, let's uh, well, I'll briefly sort of come across the other two contenders for the Champions League and, and uh, I want to sort of dance through this because we've got a lot to get through tonight at least anyway so I'm going to throw both of the teams into the hat for you um, Rich. Monaco obviously got the result they needed, a good result and a excellent performance again from Ronnie Lopez who's somehow not managed the, to get to the Portugal team but they're, they're in the Champions League and have a, a good chance to maybe rebuild after a, a difficult season but at the same time for Marseille it's two knocks in four days, they obviously have that relatively um, dismal um, Europa League final in the end at least they had that positive 20 minutes but ever since uh, Antoine Griezmann put the um, Spanish side ahead they really didn't stand the chance and it, it was it looked like at times especially like at half time maybe Marseille would would sneak it even when Alisson player gave scored that goal late on finish you thought maybe it still might end in the draw and, and, and Marseille would sneak through but they just about miss out and that is a little bit of a body blow so let's go for both start with Monaco um, a successful season in the end for them and for Marseille uh, they would have taken this at the start of the season, but at the same time, it feels like a, a little bit of a disappointment in the end. Yeah, I think Monaco's season has really sort of petered out, and it, it sort of sort of a damp squib feel to it, really. Of of yes, they've got second, but it I don't know. It just there was just something lacking in that. Certainly in that the last couple of months that we've seen with Monaco, that sort of flair has gone. Um, sort of excitement of 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 how they play has gone. And yeah, it sort of felt a really sort of laborious end to the season for them. Absolute full credit to them for getting second. That would have been their their, their target from from the start of the season. So that's achieved. Um, you know, they balanced obviously losing some really really big key players last summer. Um, I don't think some of the new players have been integrated as well as they might have liked, but maybe that just takes a little bit of time. Um, I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, due to combinations of quite a long injury list and, and various suspensions, is a glimpse into the into the future. You know, we've seen we saw Musa Silla. I think he got a double, I think, against Khan the other week. Uh, 
last minute winner included in that. We've seen Jordi Mbula come off the bench and he got a goal uh, against Troyes. We've seen, you know, Amame Toure with, with the talk of Sidibe looking like he's going to be going in the summer. He's going to be starting at, at, at right back. We've got um, Julian Serrano, you know, a youngster who's been brought in to play at left back. There's a lot of young players from, you know, that they have obviously acquired and brought through their youth system that are giving them a you know, giving Monaco fans and Liga fans a glimpse into what could be next season. You know, I think ever since Mbula joined from Barcelona, we've all been quite eager to see just what he can offer. We saw what he, he offered for, for Barcelona's as youth sides and some of the amazing goals that he scored and the amazing trickery he's got. So I think we're all looking forward next season now. And, and I think that's what Monaco fans, I think, have to take forward is that they can identify what they need to, to change in the summer. But they've also then got these really exciting young players. They've got a lot of exciting young players as well to come back off loan. They've got Paul Nardi, uh, you know, a good young goalkeeper who, seeing what Subasic has been like this season, maybe he'll get a shot next season. They've got Ayat Benassa to come back into midfield from from his loan spell at Carl. So there's a lot of young players that I think will give, give Monaco some hope that we're going to see that attacking football again. And this is just another, as we've spoken about, another cog, another another sort of part of the wheel in the system, if you like, of this is the next stage. We've had the successful stage that led to Liga and success. We're now in this next next stage that will hopefully then bring back, you know, success at the, the tail end of that stage again. So I think there's excitement there, but season as a whole, yes, they got what they, you know, they, they achieved what they set out to, but perhaps not to the, the level that they would have hoped to have done, you know, to have only really nicked it in the last couple of weeks. Um, probably is not quite where Monaco uh, and probably Jardim himself, if he's being honest, where he is and wanted that team to be. But ultimately, you can't complain with with second place. Um, Marseille, yeah, you're quite right in what you said, is at the start of the season, if you'd have offered them fourth place and runners up in the Europa League, they'd have absolutely snapped your hand off. I think where they were come January... You know, you know, comfortably in the top, comfortably in the top four, and certainly, you know, Marcel, um, sorry, Leon and, and Monaco were far closer. Monaco, especially, that second place was in their grasp. If they'd have gone out, and, and I've, I've mentioned this numerous times, if they'd gone out in January and recruited in those key positions that they really, which is enforcing um, and improving that defence, bringing in perhaps an extra body in midfield, and bringing in a top quality striker, I've no doubt that they would have certainly got top three. Maybe they'd have even pushed Monaco more for second place. So Marseille fans have to feel happy with what they've ended up with, but I think they're right to feel as though it it could have been that little bit more. I think losing to Atletico Madrid in the final of the Europa League is no, there's no shame in that. You know, an absolutely great team coached by a great manager. Antoine Griezmann in, you know, he's in terrific form the last couple of years. You know, one of the world's best forwards. There's no shame in losing that final. I think domestically, though, they perhaps, if they'd have, as I say, if they'd have brought in and recruited more wisely in January, I think Marseille would have got top three. And uh, maybe maybe second place is perhaps pushing it, but I certainly think they'd have given Monaco uh, a closer run for their money than they've, they've ended up. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things where if you look back for Marseille, they they maybe take a, a step back from themselves and, and and see how far they've come. But at the same time, when you're so close to that brass ring, it it can be ever the more painful. I, I want to talk about another team that's 
managed to get European football now, just and it, it is sort of shock really more than anything because Bordeaux will be competing in the Europa League next season. They've sort of somersaulted from from mid table and, and even uh, danger at the start of the season. I mean, it, under Govanek, it looked like they were going, well, possibly going to be contending at the bottom of the table more than anything. But they had that little resurgence under Poyer when he was first announced as their manager. They they sort of slipped from there, but really in the last seven games they've won six of them which is really tremendous stuff yes some people point that their wins against Lille um Dijon who were uh, at Bordeaux's ground which is not ideal to lose Mets are in there but wins against the Saint-Étienne side that was in form against the Montpellier side that um obviously are really stubborn and they put three past them they only lost one nil to Bordeaux it's a terrific end to the season and, and credit to Gus Poy he's got this side into Europe where they were last season where they didn't really pay much attention to it but it's a tremendous feat from where they were yeah I, th- I think um I mean, I'll start off with not criticism but I, st- I do sadly think that this wasn't generally a, a vintage year for for Liga and um you know, from one week to the next, any of the sort of middle of the table could could have a stormer or um, a really, really bad match. And you know, we've seen that a lot with Nice. We've seen that with Saint Etienne. Um, their their sort of form of split very much across two halves of the season. And as you said, Bordeaux as well started badly, then had a great run, um, went off the boil and finished brilliantly. Um, you know the fact is at the at the end of the the season that the table doesn't lie, so they deserve to be where they where they are. And I think um, Poyet should take a lot of credit for that. I think he's you know he took a team that was very low on morale and and um, kind of really sort of boosted them and um, gave them a real kick up the arse, as he, he's, which he's very good at doing. And um, you know really when it looked like again it, it was sort of faltering managed to um i think really shake up the his his team um in the background and that that probably helped change things enough to to clinch qualification i have to admit i mean this is partly because of my sort of bias because of how he was at brighton which is my team in england um i'm still not convinced that it will work long term with him but what he's done this season has been fantastic. And I think he has been helped a lot by um, the fact that Malcolm has done a bit of a Mark Viduka and remembered that um, there's a, a transfer window coming up and suddenly started playing the last six weeks or so like he did the first six weeks of the season. So I would be very surprised if Malcolm is still there. And rightly or wrongly, he is still the player that... that they're certainly not a one-man team, but he is the one that really makes them tick going forward. And um, if if he leaves, then in order to sort of maintain what they've done this year and to do something good in Europe, they I think they really have to buy wisely to to sort of remain competitive because um, you know at the start of the season it felt like he was carrying the team, and while that hasn't been the case the rest of the season and not even the last the last few weeks, when he really went into a mid-season sulk. That was when the the team sort of fell away again. So they need to make sure that um, next year they have the the personnel to to sort of continue fighting on on two fronts and hopefully to to improve on what what they've done this year. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, the the mid table has been a bit strange this season, but but there was a real surge for a number of teams at the end. I'm thinking Nice and Saint Etienne as well. Um, really made a sort of 
good fist of European um, football and credit to Bordeaux for getting there. But they are, if Malcolm is to go, using that money wisely and investing it in three, four, five players um, that maybe build the squad a little bit better will uh, will really go a long way. Um, on to matters at the bottom of the table and things were confirmed and decided um, this weekend. And we'll start with the team that is confirmed to be going down to Ligue 2. Rich and that's Trois, who ended with a 3-0 defeat against Monaco. It was always a tough task for them. Obviously, um, they had an uphill battle whenever you saw the fixture list come out, really, that last couple of games where they've they've got points, in, in fairness. They, they, like I say, they, they, they obviously got beat 3-0 at Lyon, but they got a point away from Montpellier, which is an easy thing to do, and kept them running the running in the last bit. And they, they tried against Monaco, but it was always going to be a tall ask and in the end um they've sort of succumbed to their fate which has ha- sort of been their fate for the for the second half of the season because i mean well when you look back at things and you look at the fact that they've only won three games in the second half of the season and that's to Lille, to Metz and to uh Caen the other week um it always feels like that that kind of form is just going to end up relegated yeah i mean i feel a little bit sorry for them because i thought that actually especially considering that they're running I thought they actually have been playing some decent football. The results just sadly haven't reflected that. Um, you know, I think some of the defeats have been a little harsh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they ha- they have played really well. I mean, it's just come down to them. It's just an absolute lack of goals. You know, I think it's only Khan have scored fewer than Trois this season. And uh, it's, 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 the, it's the ultimate cliche, isn't it? If you're not going to score goals... You are, as especially as a newly promoted side, you're going to struggle to stay up. Um, and 32 goals across the seasons, just really not good enough. Um, uh, so, I mean, it is it, it's a shame. You know, I, I'd like to have seen them stay up along, you know, along with the the other two promoted sides from last season, um, because I, you know, they they I mean they they fought very very hard. I mean, the fact it's come down to the final game of the season. Um, for for that to be confirmed, I think has been a full, you know, a real credit to to how hard they've battled. Um, and as I say, I think they've played some decent stuff at times. Um, sadly, they've just not been able to convert chances, and therefore have, have not been able to convert, you know, losses into draws and draws into wins, which has then ultimately been their their absolute downfall. So, you know, they'll, they'll come back. They're they're a, they're a team that that. You know, they'll bounce back ability. They're a team that, that do that. They do flip between the top two divisions fairly frequently. So they'll be back. Um, it's not necessarily a squad that's going to be absolutely gutted. Um, I think there's one or two players that may be snapped up. I think Samuel Grancier, um is rumoured to be to be angling for a move away. The sort of talented youngsters had a bit of a breakthrough this season. But um, they'll be back. Um they just need to work out, you know, to get some consistency in this league now because they've been up and down quite a, quite a bit now, um, and they they need to recognise that it, it's going to be goals. I think each time they've been up, there's been a lack of goals. Um, so if they are to to come up and stay up, they need to rectify that. Yeah, that was the funny thing, wasn't it? This one, they obviously had a, had Grants here, and they, they had a bit of a lean on uh, Nive last season, but that's why they tried to buy. Um, some of the players that were, that were a little bit better in the in Liga. I'm thinking of uh, trying to remember the, the striker they bought as well, that was one of the top scorers in, in Ligue 2 last season, but it didn't never really hit the ground yeah. running, fortune for Yeah, yeah, Nian, he scored eight, which is too bad, but they've all been 
sporadic kind of goals. They've been maybe a double in a game and a double here, and it, it, that's not quite as effective as they they really need. The, the goals weren't really spread out enough, and the, eventually that's got them down. But at the same time, you look at teams like Cole, who's got 27 goals this season, which is <laughs> frankly embarrassing. I'd be really disappointed if I was one of their fans. I wouldn't want to watch um, them all season, at least. Anyway, but the, the team that... They well, they obviously managed to survive just with it, with getting a point at Paris Saint Germain. But the ones that are affected by that result, even though they did win, is Toulouse, who do go into that relegation playoff. And it looks like it will be a Jaxio, but we won't be absolutely certain really until the game really happens on Wednesday, uh, and whether that Toulouse could actually turn up because of the the uh, the fiery Corsicans, shall we say? Um, the Islanders maybe showing their passion a little bit too much in the last couple of weeks yet again. But um, um, on to them. Again, they're in the same boat as Twelve, really. The last half of the season has only seen three victories for them, and that's clearly not enough. And especially with the body blows that they got, especially against Lille, um, when they were ahead against Rennes as well, with one, where they were up 1-0, and they were 2-1 up against uh, Lille, and they let that slip. That was the real the real hefty one and then obviously the pretty hefty defeat to Bordeaux but that was um, all but over the two goals really complimenting Le, Le Violet rather than the Le Jordan's performance but um, they got a good result at the weekend they feel like a side that should be too strong for Jaxi or even Love, depending on who it, it ends up being depending on what the authorities decide to, to choose on that one but at the same time you really don't want to go through a playoff because we've only seen one in France so far. And we all thought Lorient had enough for Twain. It turned out to be um, a different case. So Toulouse have a lot of preparing for, for Wednesday and they'll need to get their focus right back on track. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, I said it last week that I thought that I thought Twain were probably down and then I thought that Toulouse and Caen, frankly, both deserve to go down. Um, Toulouse both as a club and in terms of their playing personnel, really should not be anywhere near where, where they are and shouldn't be relying sort of two of the last three years on, on last last minute or last match escapes. Similarly, I'm, I'm surprised that more eyebrows haven't been raised about the fact that Caen have, sa- have been saved two years in a row with draws against PSG, um, which, well, anyway, I'm not don't want to say anything that would get anyone in trouble. Well, Max, Max Grodel pointed it out. Yeah. yeah. He, he came out and said that he was very disappointed that I think it was his was his words, look at that front three, who are they kind of thing. And Yeah, I, I mean, in, P- in PSG's really defence, I don't think they've won for five matches now, so it's not a defence. I think it's disgraceful. The, the, but... the, the, the thing I would mention, though, is that on these kind of things, if you're relying on results of, on exactly, another game, yeah. that, that's your own fault and that's your own bed that you have to lie in on these kind of things. I, I'm always sick and tired of play. I can remember, um, I think it was a season where Hall City want to stay up and Man United had already won the league and they played um, about eight or nine kids and it didn't really matter. I think United won anyway but at the same time it's it's relying on yourself if you've not got the points ready already that's your own fault really going into the same hey, no, continue, I, Jess. I totally agree and I'm not I'm not shedding tears for Toulouse it's more I think Carl have been a bit lucky but um yeah I think Toulouse shouldn't shouldn't be down there got a decent win at the weekend you know, home to Gagan was always good. not the worst match that you want if you if you need three points to secure well not safety but you know a chance a chance of staying up. Um, if to be completely honest, um, if it if it had been against Love or if it still proves to be against Love, um, I would I would be cheering on Love. You know, for for such a long time now they've been such a brilliant um, sort of incubator of 
excellent young French players. And um, I always feel a bit sorry that, you know, whereas the whole league and most of a lot of Ligue 1 sort of selling clubs, Havre sort of sell their have to sell their players so early that they don't even get the chance to to show what they can do in Ligue 1, or they haven't for a while anyway. So I think it would be a really nice addition to Ligue 1. Um, if it does turn out to be Ajaxio, then I think probably practically the whole country will be um, supporting Toulouse, whatever they think of them. I think I don't think there's many people who think that Ajaxio acted well. Um, I think I think the LFP are meeting tomorrow. I think. Yeah, they are. Yeah. To, to confirm what's happened. I think it was off the back of a, there's quite a lengthy uh, Twitter thread from the Le Havre Twitter account of the various misdemeanors that went on from the, from obviously the, what happened on the Friday when the game was supposed to take place with the, the coach being attacked. And a, I think it was a smoke bomb thrown at the, at the coach that exploded under the coach and broke a, a, a hose or something under the coach, which meant the coach couldn't move. And then the players, didn't want to get off it because it wasn't safe. And I think they've even released um, film taken from in the coach, and it, yeah, it's pretty scary. See, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting off that coach. And I they also, I think they also took the coach back to Normandy and then went all the way back down again, which obviously is not ideal preparation at all. Then, yeah. dur- then during the match, I think two pitch invasions. Um, Ajaxio's coach was sent off, but came back on to give. Um, a pep talk or whatever just before the penalty shootout. There, there was a hell of a lot going on. I Mateta, think, was there? Was there also, there's also been accusations of some racist chanting. Um, and I think did I also see that the Lahav vice president was attacked? Not in anything too yeah, severe, yeah. but there was a there was a scuffle anyway involving the involving the the Lahav vice president as well so there's a if you follow if you the read the tweets that the harbor put out there's about eight or nine and it's all just these misdemeanors that mean i can't quite see how ajaxio can be given this this tie considering the sort of arguments that have gone against them and some of them are so so obvious and so clear you know it's been on film and we all see it i, think- I don't quite know how it it sets a dangerous precedent to do nothing. I think that if it had just been the fans, then there might be an argument for saying, well, you know, why should the players or the staff or whatever be punished because of the fans? But the fact is that everyone in the club seems kind of guilty in one way or another. I think it's hard to ignore. But, you know, I say it sets a bad precedent. I saw some Ajaxio fans saying, you know, citing previous examples and giving, for example, the uh, Lille earlier this season and saying, well, nothing much happened to them. They have a point. I don't understand how Lille are still allowed to have fans in the ground. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, you know, when people talk about Lille might be in trouble with the DNCG, I think they're a big enough club that they also seem to benefit from a few strange cases of leniency and this seems to be another one and um well, i can understand ha- why Jaxio are pointing to it but i think they will be in trouble i think it's very difficult not to well you look uh, at what it finally took for the, the lfp to take action against Bastia. you know they were exactly yeah. they've had they they were let off the hook countless times with just a little you know a a a, a, a you know, uh, uh, not a stadium closure, par- partial stadium closures, a, a little fine here, a little fine there. It took for Bastia fans to enter the field of play and attack Leon players for the LFP to finally 
I mean, even then, I think Bastia got off incredibly lightly considering think, what happened. I think Bastia. It, it was just. It was just. It was just. I think they just got the the game. Did they get? They got. They weren't allowed to play at home for the rest of the season. I don't think. And the game was awarded. I think three 0 to Leon, but that was pretty much it as far as I recall. So uh, a lot of Corsican team. I've, I mentioned it at the time. I don't mind seeing, you know, a bit of fire and a bit of a bit of you know a, a, a sort of quite a, a a wary atmosphere. I don't mind that, but you obviously can't cross the line as as Ajaxio did the other day. I think that's the thing. I think the authorities are sort of torn because having teams from Corsica is kind of a nice addition to to the league and with all the character that comes with it. And obviously, politically, it's never the, the sort of calmest situation. They probably don't want to be um, open to any accusations of uh, some kind of you know political bias or whatever getting getting rid of them. But at the same time, there has there has to be some kind of controls and. I think Bastia, there was such a long list of incidents, but possibly each one wasn't bad enough on its own to to look at serious bans until that last one in the Leon match. This one, just all of them together, just you know, it's it's beyond the pale. And I've seen, um, I don't know if it's, I think it's a PSG supporters group i don't think it's the club itself calling for all corsican clubs to be banned i think that's ridiculous i think philippe Claire has called for really serious punishments as well i'm not sure they need to be as draconian as he's saying which is kind of demotion by a couple of leagues but definitely something has to be done and at the very least i, I just i can't believe the match went ahead at, anyway but at the very least i think this this match has to be given to the half yeah, and that, that's possibly where they might be leading, but we'll keep our eyes on it. And to be fair, they need to make a decision quick. I feel sorry for Toulouse. For their, it's not ideal for their preparation. I, I doubt they'll be particularly pleased if they're... Well, I think Ajaxio then had had the, the temerity to say, to make a request to, to delay the game because obviously the, the game was put back to Sunday and then went to penalties. And they said, oh, well, you know, we're we're a little bit tired. Can we, can we move the game back on Wednesday? Which I thought was... <laughs> Perhaps just taking the myth a little bit too far. Yeah, there's some time where the the, the, balls, the the horse has bolted, hasn't it? And they're, they're crying foul straight after that. It's very, very strange. Um, on to... I mean, it's not ideal for Toulouse, but I think it's better for Toulouse than probably either of the, the teams that they'll face. Either, whichever team they face, I think it's... I don't feel sorry for Ajaxio if it turns out to be them, but I'd rather be in Toulouse's position than either of them. Yeah, it's a very good point, Just um, On two things off the field, really, in league, and because matters on the field have concluded, but that has made some movements around the league, and a couple of interesting ones, really. We'll talk about the ones in our in the league at the moment, such as we sort of briefly talked about Tuchel last week, so I'll leave them out of this one, but um, potential replacements for Ranieri and Garand, who's left Con, and, and um, Lucien Favre, who looks like he's going to go to Dortmund, and he's confirmed to have, have left Nice. But the interesting one that's developed this evening really from partially a league perspective is is the one at Arsenal actually which looks like Unai Emery will be the new coach for that club uh, come this summer I hope in the next couple of days that Spaniard uh, could be confirmed as well but it's an interesting move Rich they look like they were very close to going for Mikel Arteta but they've stuck with the Paris Saint-Germain well former Paris Saint-Germain now man now um, managed to win five trophies in his time with the Parisians, obviously the two 
domestic cups last season and, and the and domestic treble this season. Some people will point to the failures in the Champions League and also some of the re- unrest in the uh, in the dressing room. But what kind of man are Arsenal getting? Um, I, I think Arsenal fans have to look at what happened with with PSG as a bit of an anomaly. I think for them to get an understanding of what he's really like, they probably have to go back to his time with Sevilla. I think you can't really compare him managing PSG with him managing Arsenal. Um, it's a completely different setup. It's a completely different kind of set of, of, of players, a whole different level of ego involved in an Arsenal. And ultimately, whether Arsenal fans like it or not, PSG are pitching themselves at a much higher level. Um you know they 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 brought in Emery to to try and bring them Champions League success. It's it was proven sort of over these two seasons that at the minute he's not a Champions League manager, but we know obviously he is a Europa League manager and a very successful <coughs> Europa League manager. And unfortunately for Arsenal fans at the minute, they're a Europa League team. Um, so you know you can you know list off all you know Allegri. You can list off. You know, Simeone, Luis Enrique, you can list off all these amazing, amazing people, amazing coaches. Um, but in all honesty, are they likely to come to Arsenal in Arsenal's current state? You've had just had 22 years of Wenger. You saw how that ended. Um, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a, you know, the, the sort of vitriol that some of the fans were giving Wenger after the success that he'd had and, 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 you know how that how that's ended. It's 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 not you know it's not something that a top top class manager is going to be overly attracted to. Um, so I I actually would I'm hoping that Arsenal if, if Emery is the coach that that's given the go ahead I'm hoping that they'll give him time because I do think he could be a good fit here. I think he was put in a very difficult position at PSG. You could argue that he should have known that before he took the job. But I'd imagine that the the checkbook that was the check that was put under his nose by PSG was probably quite quite persuasive. But I just think he's ultimately he is a good coach. You know what he got out of that severe side um, in Europe is you know it's it's I think it's unprecedented. I don't think the team has won three consecutive um, or three uh, was it all three consecutive? I can't remember or not. Yeah. But they were very certainly very close if they weren't. Um, I think he needs to be given time. Um, if, you know, Arsenal are not a team that are going to be going out and spending hundreds and hundreds of millions, which PSG evidently can do. So, again, that's going to be something that's going to put off some of the top-tier managers. They're not going to be able to necessarily bring in the players that they want to bring in. So I think, yes, I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans saying, you know, what an underwhelming appointment. I get that. But I think there has to be an element of realism, I think, here with, with Arsenal and, and where they're currently at. They're not, they're not a top four team. It's going to take a good manager, but it's going to take a lot of investment, uh, bringing in some really good players because that is not a top four squad at the minute. Um, so I think, as, you know, as they did with Wenger, as, as, as all good successful teams seem to do, they have to give the manager time. So, yes, he's, a, he's perhaps an underwhelming um, name compared to some of the big names that they were linked to, but I, I actually think he could turn out to be a pretty good fit at Arsenal. So fingers crossed they give him time. Um, but I, I do feel for him because I tweeted earlier. It feels a little bit for him. 
it's out of the frying pan and into the fire because he's he's left PSG and all the issues that were there to a club where there's a very vocal, very visible fan base um, that are not afraid to speak their mind, whether it's you know the right thing or not. And and I just feel that he's not going to be given that time. But if he is, I, I think he could turn out to be a pretty successful appointment. It's definitely an interesting appointment. I mean, um, some people will point and laugh and say he's at least a Europa League specialist, which will help Arsenal maybe go a couple of stages further than they did last season. But, but at least at the same time, that that's a good opportunity to get back into the Champions League. It, it showed it for Manchester United a, a few seasons ago that it was it was worth the shot and it, it gets you back in there and getting someone that can get that out of them. But I suppose the worries portraying really from, from the fact that... Um, just uh, Paris Saint-Germain really he wasn't given control of, of, of the signings and um, some people will also point to the fact that to win the domestic league competition they had to have their opponents sell what 100 150 million pounds worth of talent and they had to increase that by about 300 million talent um, going the other way um, but at the same time um, he pulled out some decent performances some of the tactical things might be questioning bits like that but at the same time he's Learned a bit of English. Maybe he's coming across better. There was an issue with his his French um, while he was at Paris Saint Germain, and sometimes that maybe of cost him. He's he's very much into his his film study. So it's it's an interesting appointment and one that if given some time um, to relax in it and get to know the players and, and improve his English, um, might prove out to be a fruitful one. I think it's a potentially excellent appointment. Um, there's there's quite a lot of sort of delusion going on on certainly on Twitter from Arsenal fans, and as Rich said, you know, people saying things like, "Why aren't we going for Jardim? Why aren't we going for Nagelsmann? Why don't you add? Why aren't we going for Guardiola while you're at it?" The fact is that not you know the the top top coaches may not necessarily want to go to Arsenal at the moment. It's it's not the most attractive role in football. It wouldn't be anyway. But when you look at you know the two very obvious cases of um, uh, a manager taking over after a really long-serving, successful manager, both at United. I mean, there's all the other examples, but I'm just thinking of Ferguson and Busby. Afterwards, whoever replaced them were on a hiding to nothing. So I can understand why the very top managers don't want to go there. I can understand why the top young managers who are sort of just building the, their reputation don't want to take the risk of going there. And frankly, I think Emery is, um, I was going to say, as good as, as good as they can get. But I think that's actually quite insulting to him. He's a very good manager. And as Rich said, the PSG, the two years at PSG can almost be seen as, as an anomaly because I don't think we saw the best of him because I don't think we were allowed to. Um, I think everything was taken out of his hands. And my issue is less the, tr the control over the transfers and more just day-to-day -day running or week-to-week -week picking of the teams. I don't think he had a free hand at all. Um, and as Rich said, you know, he, he probably knew that taking the job. Maybe that's one of his faults that he should have stood up for himself more or stood up to the players or to El Khalifi more. But I don't think he'll have that same issue at Arsenal. Maybe again, maybe he won't have a complete say in in transfers. But you know, PSG were going for Champions League, and and he he didn't have a say. And the the transfers they made completely ham, ham, hamstrung him in terms of what he was trying to achieve there. 
at Arsenal, the ambitions have to be a bit lower than that. And frankly, if he can, I think if he can maintain the position they're in and just improve it slightly, um, and it doesn't take a huge improvement to, to go to, to get into Champions League qualification again, um, then I think he has to be deemed a success. And I think he's very capable of that. You know, one of the big criticisms of Wenger was that he wasn't t- tactically astute. One of the main things that everyone says is is Emery's strong point, even if, again, he wasn't allowed to show it so much at PSG, is that he is a good tactician. Um, I really think it could be a very good move. And what, I put it in a tweet earlier. At PSG, they had um, owners who knew nothing about football but kept butting in. At Arsenal, they've got owners who know nothing about football and couldn't care less, which I can understand why Arsenal hate that because, you know, as long as the money's rolling in, they're not, dealing with the, the proper issues but on the other side that could work to Emery's advantage because he won't have people above him telling him what to do and if he can form a good relationship with I can never pronounce his name but Sven Mezintat yeah you know I really think that he could He, you know he's got he's fallen slightly below the reputation that he had a couple of years ago and has a lot to prove. Arsenal have fallen slightly down from where they were a couple of years ago and have got a lot to, to prove. I really think it could it could be a partnership that works or a sort of marriage that works very well together. Yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting one, really, seeing how that develops with both um, Emery trying to bounce back from that the disappointment in the end, I suppose, at Paris Saint-Germain, but expectations are so exceedingly high, and um, maybe trying to restore them at a club like Arsenal that does have such a such a grand. Uh, tradition. We'll talk about the sort of managerial merry-go-round next week. We've got a longer show next week, sort of a uh, review of the entire season. So do join us for that. I'll, I'll tip that at the end of the show, but we'll move on because we do have um, more pressing news, at least anyway, for this week, and that is um, the Le Bleu squad that's going to the World Cup in to, well in this summer in uh, Russia. Um, it has been announced by Didier Deschamps, and there's some interesting choices in there. It was always going to be a few players that would miss out and be a bit disappointed. Paye is one of those. Um, he obviously might be more through injury. You look at, there's a lot of players in the forward line, unsurprisingly, but um, the one I wanted to talk about, first of all, really, um, Rich, and the surprise one for most is... Um, the omission of um, Adrian Rabiot and the inclusion of Steven Nzonzi. Now, Didier Deschamps says that Nzonzi is much better cover for, for N'Golo Kante. Obviously, he's a defensive, more defensive-minded player, but Rabiot has been a sort of a present, at least in the squad-wise, um, for Leble for, for a while. But at the same time, um, he did admit that sometimes he performs completely differently from the front squad, and that's eventually sort of knocked him out. Do you think that was the right decision going forward, especially with the midfield that they do have going there, Toliso, Conte, uh, Pogba and Matuidi? And was Nzonzi the right pick over um, Rabiot? Well, first of all, I think the omission of Rabiot is the correct call. I think his attitude, I think certainly since the turn of the year, has, has stunk, really. it's He's not he's clearly not playing at his best, whether that's through his choice or not. Um, I don't know, but certainly the noises that seem to be coming out from himself, which is perhaps the most startling thing, is it seems to be he's almost choosing not to play at his best. You know, he's being put in this in this number six role, which he has been very vocal that he doesn't like, and it's, that's not how it works. Especially when you're a young, still pretty unproven player, I'm afraid it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. You play where your coach tells you. 
Um, and, you know, certainly at international level, you bow down to the fact that Didier Deschamps knows what he's talking about. Um, so I just think it's his, his attitude and how that then has crept into his, his performances that's cost him. Now, what I hope is that, you know, Tuchel coming into PSG at club level and missing, you know, missing out on a World Cup spot, I hope that is the necessary kick that he needs to realise, actually, you know what, I can't behave like this on and off the pitch. I need to book my ideas up because on my day, I'm a very good player. And he is. Um, you know, we've seen it in in numerous games, especially some Champions League games. He's a, He is a top quality player, but there's just something at an attitude level which doesn't quite sit with with the sort of um, uh, you know, the the harmonious squad that Deschamps is, has sort of proclaimed that is his key thing. Hence, you know, several other higher profile emissions. Um, so that that has certainly played a, a a more than significant part in the reason that he's not been picked. Um, I think Nzonzi probably by and large probably deserves it. I think Kondogbia maybe can count himself a little bit unlucky. It's, you know, he's had a he's had a very good season in Spain as well. Um, but Nzonzi has been called into the last couple of squads when he's been called upon then to play. He's looked decent. Um, and as Deschamps pointed out, he is much more suitable cover should something happen to, to N'Golo Kante. So I don't have too many issues if I'm perfectly honest with that, I think Deschamps overall has probably made the right call there. The other interesting one, really, Jez, is that they maybe have taken a little bit of a risk um, at left back. They've brought in Benjamin Mundy, who's missed most of the season, obviously. He was always going to be in the squad if he was fit. But at the same time, the cover behind him is a little bit risky. Obviously, the player, it looks like um, Lucas Hernandez will probably be the first choice left back um, should things go their way, unless they decide something like um, Drubio Sidibe um, playing on the right-hand side. They also obviously left out um, Mattia Debushi that many had sort of campaigned for with his sort of end of the season. Um, with defence being one of those problem areas, you maybe say, especially with um, Koscielny dropping out, they've gone for Adil Rami as his replacement, and I assume they'll probably use Pavar and Hernandez again as, as cover centre-back if they need to, as well as um, Kim Pembe being in the squad. But um, interesting choices at the back line, and especially that trust in Lucas Hernandez to be cover for, for Benjamin Mundy should they need it. Yeah, I mean, Rami, I won't dwell on, but I still think it's an atrocious decision. I just, I simply don't think he's a very good defender. And it made me laugh in the um, Europa League final after he was one of the players caught out for um, uh, Madrid's second, Atletico's second goal. And he was sort of walking around, punching his chest and pumping everyone up. Um, you know, instead of do that, why don't you concentrate on doing your job properly? But anyway, I'm not, yeah, I'm not keen on that appointment. In terms of the fullbacks, I just think that there isn't any particularly ideal situation or ideal pick because the options aren't great. Um, whoever was picked, um, frankly, in, uh, for, uh, in the two positions, uh, in both, sorry, the two sort of first team and backup in both positions, both sides of the pitch, um, you know, there's argue, strong arguments to be made against every pick, and um, not particularly strong arguments to be made in favour of anyone else. So, I, I like, uh, it, 
I think you have to take the risk of Mendy because I think at the moment he's by so at his best anyway, or at his full fitness, he's by so far the best left back that France have got that I think it has to be done as a calculated risk. And Hernandez, at least recently, he has been playing a lot. He has been playing at a high level. He's got that bit of versatility that if need be, he could play um, in the centre, whereas Dini has not been playing a lot and is only a left-back. Um, should Deschamps have qualms about playing Hernandez and something happens to Mendy, Sidibe is... I was going to say equally good at left back as at right back. I don't mean that as a compliment, but he can play at left back. Umtiti, remember at the start of his career, Leon played well at left back. You know, it's been a while since he's done it, but he is capable. Um, and then at, at right back, a similar kind of thing. I think uh, it would have been nice to see Debushi there, but to be fair to Pavar, when he's been given the chance, you know, he's had an excellent season for Stuttgart, and when he's had the chance for France, he's taken it, which, as Rich said earlier on, um, in terms of Rabio, he hasn't. I know it's a completely different position, but Deschamps judges it not just on, on club performances, but also attitude and performances when they play for France. And on the basis of that, Pavar absolutely deserves um, deserves to go, I think. And again, you've got that extra um, facet that he can also play at centre-back. So should something happen um, to Varane and for whatever reason Deschamps sees sense and doesn't want to risk Rami, then Pavar could play there instead. So it's not ideal, but hopefully there's enough talent and versatility there that we can sort of muddle through yeah it does feel a little bit awkward for me at least that maybe someone like Amavi wasn't at least considered as someone potentially to play at left back but they, they get to leave out so much talent I mean Paillet obviously may be injured but Lacazette, Martial uh, Rabio, even though he's not been informed he's still a great player to leave out and have the option to do that uh, Kingsley Coman um, you have to envy it, especially with us. All right, but at least the the us English contingent to be a slightly less jealous when our team sheet comes out. It's not uh, quite as uh, star laden as uh, the French has even left out, unfortunately. Even the Spanish looking at their turn, you know, it's envy of the world, really. Um, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Jez, and all of you listening at home uh, do remember there's no more preview shows this season but we will have one final main show next week that'll be starting at 8 p.m live and it should be a slightly longer show as we look back at every single league and team and maybe a couple of league dossiers that will be joining us next season but until then um we'll be, we'll, so it'll be the same time or well, same place at least next week uh, abianto and goodbye